Have you ever worked on a team going through a lot of change? I'm guessing you have many times and in many different scenarios. I'm also guessing your experience of that change had a lot to do with the level of trust that the team had for one another and for the leaders of the team and or the organization. When there is a high level of trust, the impacts of change are softened. When there is low trust, change can be traumatic. Clearly, we want to work in teams that have high trust, but if that's not the current situation, how do we get there? To answer that question, I've asked Malia Monaco to join me for this episode. After 23 years of serial entrepreneurship and a master's in clinical mental health counseling, Malia found her home at Positive Intelligence as the account director of small and medium businesses. Working at Positive Intelligence, she lives her mission every day by creating lasting positive change in the world. She works with business leaders and their teams to improve collaboration and communication at the root level for sustainable change. And in this episode, Malia and I talk about the work that Malia does for these leaders and organizations through Positive Intelligence involving change management and trust building what it takes to build trust in teams, and what becomes possible when trust grows. Why it's important to get to the root of the problem rather than tackling the symptoms, which is where many organizational initiatives go wrong, and how our belief system will shape what we see around us and determine whether we bring harsh judgment or blameless discernment to our reactions And lastly, while insights are important, they only make up 20% of sustainable, long-lasting change, and Malia reveals what makes up the other 80%. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn, the CEO and founder of Women Taking the Lead a leadership development company that helps leaders achieve their gender parity goals at all levels of leadership and in all divisions of an organization. We help to realize these results through coaching, consulting, leadership development programs, and keynotes. My goal is for this podcast to be a valuable resource for you and others in your organization to grow in your leadership. If we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search on the platform for Jody Flynn. I am very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. Be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Now, let's bring on Malia Monaco. Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Malia. Hi, Jody. Nice to be here. I'm very honored. Thank you. Oh, I'm honored that you took the time to come on. I'm thrilled. We we have uh, known each other for a short while, but quickly you came to be in my eyes, somebody who was just incredible to reach out to, so supportive, and everyone's going to get a sense of that in just a bit. But before we start diving into how you and I know each other and how, how we work together, tell us and and tell everyone a little bit more about, they heard about a little bit about your work life. Tell us more about what you have going on outside of work. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit of my background. So I've always been a hyperachiever. Um, mm-hmm. I started my first official business at 19 and have achieved my contractor's license, my real estate license, my master's degree, coaching certification, the list goes on. And all of that was before I was 35. And then I added a husband and two kids and it just kept going. <laughs> I think a lot of women can relate to this. Um, you know, I looked like I had it all together and I would have comments saying, you know, how do you do it all? And really, I was just going through the motions. I was really just checking the boxes, having that next to-do list, having that next thing that I thought was going to bring that joy and that happiness and that success. And 
it just never came. I was alive, but I was not truly living. And uh, even with my background in mental health, so I have a master's in mental health counseling. And, you know, I thought I knew what I needed to do to take care of myself and self-care and recognize things. And what really got me was I was looking back at pictures and of the kids. Uh, I love photography. Photography is like one of my passions in art. And uh, then I discovered psychology in college, actually. So I was starting my my first um, degree was going to be in, in photography and fine arts. And then I found psychology and just fell in love and took it from there. So, But I do love taking pictures of my kids. And so I was looking back at pictures and I didn't remember the moments. I obviously was there because I took the picture and I have just have this fog of when the kids were growing up and they're only seven and nine now, but still it was a lot of moments were just passing me by. And it was, it was kind of like that, that frog in the boiling pot. You don't really realize it Mm -hmm. until there's a shift in perspective. There's something that happens where you can see it differently. Um, And I've realized from, you know, reflecting on this, there's really two ways for us to get out of this comfort zone. And I think it's kind of funny. We call it a comfort zone when in reality, it's really, not very yeah. comfortable. Right? Yeah. It's just familiar. Out. It's yes. familiar, uncomfortable. Yes. Exactly. It's our known state, right? It's just kind of the habitual behavior, that known state. Exactly. And there's really two ways to get out of it, I've realized. And and one of them is intentionally. So we can intentionally be able to uh, do activities in our brain that's able to shift that those patterns of thought, those, those known patterns of behavior, those known patterns of thought, there's intentional ways we can do that with, with neuroplasticity. However, it's kind of hard to do that. But I found a, I found an amazing way to do that, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And the second way is to get yanked out of your comfort zone, which mm-hmm. is how I actually had it happen. Um, this is those life events that really just kind of bring you to reality. And that's what happened. So everyone has their story of 2020 and mine is you know, an an interesting story as well. And it started out with finding out that my husband had a tumor on his kidney, a Lyme-sized tumor in his kidney in January, 2020. Um, Then March came in March, you know, we all know what happened in March, all the lockdowns Mm -hmm. happened. Um, So what was interesting about the scenario is it was encapsulated. So we didn't know whether or not it was cancer and we didn't want to disturb it because if we punctured it and disturbed it to test it, then the cancer cells could spread if it was cancer. So we went back and forth and, you know, during that time, elective surgeries were canceled, which apparently this is elective surgery. We opted to just remove the kidney and the tumor. Uh, finally, in May, I remember the exact date because this is the moment I, I really woke up and, and got out of that boiling pot was May 15th when I checked him into his hospital and didn't know whether or not I'd see him again. We, we weren't allowed to visit with COVID restrictions, didn't know if it was cancer yet, didn't know if there'd be complications and that was the moment that I woke up. Okay, I'm taking a breath. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that must have felt like, like knowing you're like, this was the right decision because of all the uncertainty. And at the same time, knowing it was an incredible risk. So we're now two and a half, three years later. Tell us, like, how is your husband doing? Oh, thank you. So yes, it, it it did end up being cancerous and it was an aggressive cancer. So we're thankful that we opted to just remove everything. So he's one, one kidney short and he's managing very well. And he's been having his follow-up tests and knock on wood. And we're very thankful that you know, everything has been cleared. That was really that wake up call for us. We ended up in November of 2020. So just a few months later, my husband shut down his business. We moved 1,200 miles from Tempe into northwestern Montana and hopped on an airplane, took a leap of faith and said, we're starting over. We're going to really like, we're, we're, we're done. Like this yeah. was our wake up call to really start to really live our life in, in true presence and being able to reconnect with what was really important to us. And oh. then I found positive intelligence. And from the journey I've been on since then, so found positive intelligence, which in my opinion was that cornerstone, that missing piece that I, you know, I thought I I knew through my my studies that I've done and working in in psychology and mental health. There was that, that something just wasn't clicking, just wasn't working. And it was because we weren't activating our brain. We were trying to overlay Mm -hmm. techniques into an old operating system. 
it's very difficult for us to do that because it just keeps running the same scripts, running the same things versus creating a new neural network, a new operating system for us to be able to see things differently and process things differently. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into that in just a second, but I love that move you made um, from Tempe to Montana. Just incredible. And interesting that we're talking today because I just started the book or I'm listening to the audiobook, um, Do Nothing by Celeste Hadley. Mm-hmm. And she is, I don't know where the book is going ultimately, but she's starting off with like, how we work these days and how we're overworked is really like not good for us. And, you know, all that stuff. And and I was hearing that and what you were saying, like you had so many good things in your life. There were many blessings, but you weren't present to it because you were on autopilot, like just trying to get things done and achieve the next thing. And then the next thing, and then the next thing. Okay. So we're going to, I'm rubbing my hands together because we're going to dive deep into this. So, So everyone knows I met Malia in, I believe it was towards the end of the winter, beginning of the spring last year. I have, I started delivering the positive intelligence foundational program about 10 months ago and have had several groups go through it and, you know, always like have more people who are interested and want to do it. And so I, I love that and have seen the results for my people within my business and the programs I've been running. Um, but I know you have such a wealth of experience and you've observed so many different people and leaders and organizations go through the positive intelligence program. I knew I wanted to bring you on to really capture the potential of this because I can share what I've seen and what I know and what I've experienced. And don't get me wrong, it's incredible, but I know there is so much more. And you and I met because you head up the small business um, side of positive intelligence. And I had a a group from a company that wanted to bring it into their organizations. That's where we met. So now if you could, Malia, tell us, like, just get the ball rolling. I'm sure there's a lot to share. Tell us about the work that you're doing and some of the things that you see coming up in your work for leaders and organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with uh, like you said, small businesses. So usually 500 or less employees, um, typically working with a business owner or business leaders or someone on leadership team. And they're really, they're so passionate about what they do and they want to be able to support their team and create such a great culture. And I'm really hearing that the kind of the four, I call them the four C's, the four C's always come up. So it's communication, collaboration, um, conflict, and change. Like those are the four C's that are the common symptoms. I call them the presenting problems that are being able to present to ourselves, um, to present to positive intelligence, to be able to see what we can do to be able to support that. Mm-hmm. And those are all symptoms though. So what the, the kind of the root level, so about positive intelligence is we are, are all about radical simplification, all about getting down to the root cause to be able to make those changes that really last. And what we've identified is uh, trust. Trust is at the root of, you know, these four C's that are the presenting problems. So when we have lack of trust, we have lack of trust sometimes for ourselves, like within ourselves. We don't trust our own choices. We don't trust, um, you know, what direction we want to go in. And maybe we're second guessing ourselves. There's also trust with others. Um, you know, we're not trusting someone on the team or we're making assumptions of what the outcome is going to be and which leads into the trust of the kind of the organization or the environment around us and the circumstances. And when we don't have trust, we don't have that strong foundation. And uh, actually speaking of books, so I just, <laughs> I just finished. We love book recommendations. So know, bring right? it on. <laughs> so one of my favorite authors is Greg McEwen. And so I he love wrote, him. Yep. So he wrote um, Essentialism, which I love mm-hmm. radical simplicity there. And then I just finished Effortless, his second mm-hmm. book. And in his book, and I'm just going to kind of read the quote, which is very short, um, so important. He has a whole chapter on trust. So when we have low trust on teams, everything is hard. And then he continues on. You can't have a high performing team without high levels of trust. 
Mm-hmm. This is really that foundational piece that we want to do, uh, be able to, to do that. And so I wanted to kind of talk about, okay, right, we can build trust. We could do kind of some short-term fixes, quick fixes. There's trust building activities. There's conflict <laughs> resolution seminars. There's, you know, all of the books we can read on trust. Mm-hmm. Um, really not getting into that root cause. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really playing that game of whack-a-mole, you know, when you hit yeah. something and you think you got it fixed, but over here, it pops something else up and pops something else up. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we really want to get down to the root cause of what roads to trust. And that's our judge. The, the judge is at the root cause of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, one, I'll share this, like talking about trust, like it can be gutting because you think about the scenarios in which you didn't experience trust. Either you couldn't trust, mm-hmm. you know, somebody on the team or in the organization, or you felt the lack of trust directed at you. And what, and in my experience, typically this shows up when there is a lack of trust and something happens and we need to inquire into, okay, what happened? What's going on here? The level of trust we have almost decides the questions Mm -hmm. that people will ask and the assumptions that will be made. And those questions and assumptions will then, I mean, you think about it, could absolutely destroy the person it is yeah. directed at, right? Because we, I, I think everybody wants to feel that people recognize that they have high integrity, you know, not just good intentions, but high integrity and competence and that sort of thing. And when there's a lack of trust, you're treated like you don't have competence or you may inadvert- inadvertently treat somebody else as if they have a lack of competence and that may or may not be true. So this is, this is powerful stuff. And I'm sure, you know, for for everyone who's listening, like, like breathe, (laughs) like like we've been here, but what I love about this is not just tackling the symptoms of it, right? Cause that's why when we do programs, programs designed to tackle symptoms, only tackle that symptom in that one place in time. But if the root problem is left, then something else will come up. And then the company's like, well, now we have another problem and we still haven't figured this out. That's that sort of thing. Um, what what are so when people are approaching you, what are some of the common things that they're talking about? Like you named the four C's, but bring yeah. it down to ground level anonymously. Yeah. Like, yeah. what does this look like day to day in organizations? Well, this is kind of the presenting symptoms that I hear. So um, I was actually kind of thinking about it and kind of just making a list of, of what I'm what I'm being able to, to hear in, in the in the communities, in the business communities um, from the leaders, really that lack of trust for themselves. That looks like they're second guessing their decisions. Mm-hmm. They're they have a fear of failure that and then they, they don't even try. Um, they really are stifling themselves in what's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're also thinking they're not good enough. You know, those are some universal, uh, issues that we have when we aren't in trust with ourselves. It's really draining our emotional reservoirs. It's taxing our energy levels and it's really taking a lot of our time. So thinking Mm -hmm. about, okay, if you're not trusting how you're presenting yourself, you know, you're you're second guessing the the email, for example, and some, this is going to lead into trust with others as well. You know, how many times do you sit there and edit this email? And, and reread it and re-edit it and then wait and just have that uncomfortable gut reaction. That's a mm-hmm. lot of time. That's a lot of energy. If yeah. we don't have that trust, you know, within ourselves and now, you know, it cascades into others. So the next yeah. thing I'm hearing is um, when there's not trust within with others within the team is that the leader feels like they can't delegate. They they have so much on their plate because they're not trusting what the results going to be. They're like you said, they're they're kind of creating this filter, this kind of assumption process of uh, of what is the outcome when we don't really know and we haven't given them chance. Um, it's putting a wedge in between relationships for sure, and, mm-hmm. and as that continues, it grows and grows. It's also preventing us from being really authentic and vulnerable with each other and really connecting and being like truly collaborative and mm-hmm. really seeing each other for who we are 
and being able to bring each other up in a positive way. Um, we work with a lot of growth companies and they are very innovative. They're very agile. There's a lot of trust within those organizations, you know, and be able to have that foundational trust built because they can rely on each other. It's like a relay race. You know, we can be able mm-hmm. to have a baton and know that no one's going to drop it. Um, yeah. You know, all of those pieces. And then kind of when, it, when we don't have the trust, um, you know, within our environment or in the culture, then it really actually starts to kind of distort our reality and we have the self-conforming bias. And so we actually start to see things back to the kind of that filter of what it creates is we start to just confirm what we think that is going to happen. And our brain is just wired this way. It's kind of the survival mechanism. That's just the natural default setting. And we just, we can overlook that beautiful serendipity that can happen or those positive opportunities that are really presenting themselves in front of us. We literally can't see them if, if we're not activating our brain properly. And that blends back to not having our trust built. Um, yeah. It cascades. it cascades. It starts with us. Right. And then it cascades and into the others and organization. Yes. And Malia, before we skip over it, I want you to go back um, in a moment to talk about the judge, which creates all of these things. But I want to comment on something you just said about seeing it in the environment and in the culture um, that our brains have. um, There's there's a part of our brains called the reticular activator, Mm -hmm. which filters out information based on what we believe, right? So our beliefs will shape what we see. So if we think, you know what, everything's going to work out, it may not look the way we intended to, but we're going to end up in a good place on the other side of it. Our brain will look for evidence that that is true. Like it will pull out of the environment. See, this is happening. See, this person stepped up. See, this this opportunity presented itself, even though things didn't go according to plan. But if our belief is this is all going to go sideways, it's going to be a complete mess, like on the other side, like this isn't going to be what we want. Now our brain is looking for evidence to support that belief. So even if, like you said, good things are happening, we tend to dismiss them or overlook them or we're not present to it. You know, that's when we're on autopilot and we're not even seeing the good things that are happening around us. And so we're missing opportunities and we're missing solutions. And all of this is caused by the judge. So give everyone an overview of the judge, this this nasty character. Oh, yes. Our judge, our universal judge. So it it erodes our trust. Um, it really is, you know, the way we're like showing up for ourselves and showing up for others and in circumstances. Um, so let me just clarify really quick though. There is a difference between our judge and really evaluating, just evaluating and seeing circumstances in a blameless discernment is what we call in the program. Right? Yes. Yeah. So there is a difference because I, I hear that come up often, you know, I need my judge. It helps me make decisions. Mm. We need to be able to be blamelessly discernment because that gives us an opportunity to see all those perspectives. We are able to take those blinders off to actually see the opportunity that presents itself. When we're in judge, it literally is a different part of our brain that's activated versus being able to see opportunities and being blameless discernment. When we're in the part of the brain that the judge lives in, it really is creating higher cortisol levels. It's activating our... uh, the the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight flight response. You know, all of these things are happening because it's trying to keep us safe. That's just what it does. Um, And you were were talking about the reticular activating system. And what it does is our brain likes to conserve energy and it doesn't like to work hard. It really doesn't. We think it Mm -hmm. does, but it doesn't. It it, it really, it likes to kind of keep everything, um, you know, running pretty smoothly and it doesn't want to overwork. And the way it does that is it creates these shortcuts and that those are those neural networks. So as the, the brain fires together, you know, those, those things wire together. So if an event happens and we label it, we judge it as this was bad, or I can't believe this happened, or gosh, this always, you know, something that always happens to me. And I knew that was going to happen. It was bad. Those are those, the, the event 
and the labeling and that reaction become wired together so that when we're out just kind of doing our day-to-day, any of those other events that are similar to that, the brain will automatically say, oh, this was like this, so it is bad. Versus what we can do is we can create, and this is kind of what I talked about in the beginning, is we can create those new neural networks. And the way I kind of talk about the new neural networks is like sandstone. Our brain is like sandstone. As things happen, so as water happens on sandstone, the grooves get deeper and deeper, just kind of, you know, the natural flow. So then if when any water rain, you know, rain comes in, any water happens, it just naturally goes into that crevice and it just keeps going. It's effortless in a sense, Mm -hmm. but not in the positive Greg McEwen effortless way. Yeah. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be permanent, right? Yeah. But it's just like, it's the easy path through the brain goes up. This is familiar territory. Yeah, exactly. So what we want to do, and it does take practice, it does take our ability to have, you know, presence, we need to be present to be able to make these shifts to get out of where the judge lives into our newer part of the brain, which just evolutionarily speaking, we just haven't really activated it on a regular basis as often as we should be. So now we have to kind of intentionally start to do this, creating, saying that standstone, we're creating a new groove, we're creating a new way for that water to run. And we need to do that repeatedly over time. So that when that activating event happens, whatever it may be, maybe you get a phone call or an email or something occurs, that's an event, then we have a choice. And we'll talk about this in a second is we are able to make just a little bit of space in between our reactive brain and our responsive brain. And so that we can be able to shift it. So we can quiet that judge down so that we can actually see, so that blameless discernment, so we can actually see, oh, this isn't a threat. Like, I don't have to be worried about this. This is just something I just need to handle. And we can calm our system down, be able to activate that parasympathetic nervous system and just let our you know, brain be able to do what it does best, which is really look at possibilities and opportunities versus just going into automatic pilot. Are any of these items on your 2024 checklist to remain calm even when things are not going according to plan, improve relationships with people who are challenging to work with, increase your ability to give focused attention to projects and people, uncover new creative ideas, solutions, or paths forward, especially in situations or relationships that seem to be stuck, To be more decisive by aligning decisions to values and purpose. To operate at peak performance without sacrificing well-being or happiness. Or to have time to relax and enjoy. If any of those things are on your list, this is your personal invitation to a webinar on Tuesday, January 2nd at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time that will cover the positive intelligence operating system and the impact it can have for you in all of these areas of your life. During this webinar, you will hear about the research and brain science behind positive intelligence and the specific areas it impacts. You'll discover the 10 internal saboteurs that might hijack your best efforts You'll identify five sage powers within you that can overcome any challenge you are faced with. You'll learn a brain activation technique that helps you to gain calm and control of your thoughts. And you'll hear about how the Positive Intelligence Program is designed for you to create sustainable, long-lasting positive change in your life. If being more calm or positive has been on your wish list, I invite you to join me to explore positive intelligence and the difference it can make for you. Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash webinar to register. Now, let's get back to Malia. I remember seeing uh, a webinar or it was some of the content when I was going through the positive intelligence program where you know, uh, long lasting sustainable change requires 20% insight, right? Awareness of what's going on and what's running the show, but that's not enough. And this is why 
one day trainings typically don't work or programs that don't have support don't work because you have that one day and it feels great. You know, insight is like, it's an an endorphin hit, like supercharged. It's amazing when you have that aha moment or revelatory, like, oh, this is what's going on. But if you don't have practices that Mm -hmm. help to rewire the brain in a way that is in alignment with that insight, what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is over, and it happens very quickly, like within a day, you Mm -hmm. lose a lot of the information you got during a training or program where you got a lot of insight. And if so, if there aren't exercises and practices to support the rewiring of the brain, you will find you will go back to old habits. And this is where people get frustrated with programs or New Year's resolutions and and all of that, that we have to do the work to rewire the brain. So long lasting, sustainable changes, 20% insight, 80% practice. Exactly. Exactly. So that. Yeah, perfect. So that that's what um, happens when we want to be able to catch that judge. So first, we want to recognize it. And it, it's usually pretty easy for us to recognize it. Oftentimes, we can feel our judge in our body. Uh, we can sometimes hear what you know the judge says. Once you start to kind of listen and realize that, oh, that's not really me. Like, that's actually just an automatic response. And you start to kind of hear it differently. So you're able to create that awareness. So that's that 20%. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to be able to catch that judge and and create that awareness. And then what we want to be able to do is actually build those muscles. We call them mental muscles, which are those new neural networks that we want to be able to do. And I I love it because positive intelligence has just simplified it in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it is like kind of like we're going to dabble in it for a second. So it's it's a much like meditation. It's much like mindfulness. However, this is being able to do it at any time, anywhere. Um, I'm doing it right now and you don't even know it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm able to really actually, like I'm rubbing my hands together yes. and I'm feeling the, the, the pressure between the two palms. I'm feeling the sensations. Just by doing that, my brain has to be able to be present. And we can't be in two different places in the brain at the same time, which is fascinating. So I can't be in the hijacked part of my brain, the judge part of the brain and, you know, my anxiety. Oh, I have to admit, I was a little anxious coming onto the podcast and yeah. just anticipatory anxiety. I, I, I did my brain activation techniques ahead of time and knowing that I have this kind of tool and it's really kind of a Swiss army knife tool because it can be applied in so many different situations at any time to be able to say, okay, you know, my brain, I can calm it down a little bit. I can shift that. I can be able to activate the part of the brain that will see these opportunities and trust. And it goes back to the self, just trust myself that I'll know what to say next, or I will know how to interact with you and being able to drop into those present moments. So that's a beautiful technique that we have in the program. Yes. And I've shared this with others where I do a 10 or 20 second you know, exercise to just get back into the body, Mm -hmm. right? And and be present in the moment. And people are like, wow, I already felt my shoulders come down. I feel like I'm breathing easier. Like we don't realize we go through the day almost like shoulders tense, like almost in a defensive posture because we're just, we want to be like, almost like battle ready for whatever Mm -hmm. comes at us. We don't want to be caught off guard, but going through the day like that is exhausting. We're using so much energy, keeping Mm -hmm. our muscles tense and mentally, like we've talked about already, we're missing out on a lot and we are, we'll tend to be reactive to what comes at us if we're in this sort of defensive posture mentally and physically. And so this is one of the techniques that people learn in the positive intelligence program. It's in the, it's called self-command, right? Getting, getting back into your body, which then also empowers you to then intercept the judge. It's it's almost like it happens twofold. You can do this anytime, even if your judge isn't, you know, hijacking you. But if you are in the middle of a judge hijacking, 
you Mm -hmm. can stop and do one of these exercises to calm it down and then get into a place where you can decide, like you put earlier, mindfully decide, okay, how do I want to respond to this? Exactly. And we learned how to do this over time. It does take some practice because we're creating those new neural networks, new habits. Over time, we can do this, like you said, in just like 10 to 30 seconds and being able to calm down our system, um, that natural reaction. What's fascinating is cortisol levels. So we have an activating event and we feel it. We get hijacked is kind of what we call it. We, We feel it in our body. It's when you kind of feel like, oh, you get hit in the chest or your stomach starts to queeze or your shoulders start to tighten. That's that reaction. And you have to, that's our signal really of, okay, mm, something happened. So I want to be able to, to evaluate and discern, you know, what's going on. So our cortisol levels just spiked up. Unfortunately, our cortisol levels can stay in our body for 20 minutes, 60 minutes, just from one activating event. Think about all those activating events we have throughout the day. We're not giving ourselves time for our cortisol levels, our stress hormones to calm down until we can process them quickly. And the way we can do that is through the brain activation technique with that self-command. And it actually helps kind of just flush it all down. It's like a filtration system. It's beautiful because that calms that brain down. So then we can be able to, to move forward in the more empowered way. uh, Viktor Frankl, I love his quote, you know, the space between stimulus and response lies our power. And that's where we can just have that little glimpse. And that's where we can be able to really make a difference in how we are able to respond versus react. And by doing that, we're going to continue to build that trust and being able to have those connections with people. And it cascades. We need to you know, start with ourselves first. We need to be the change we want to see in the world and recognize it for ourselves. And then that will start to cascade within our team and continue to build that trust within our team. And it's amazing how quickly change can occur when we have those interrupts and we can make a different choice. I mean, you know, for everyone listening, think about that like knee jerk reaction you have, maybe it's frustration or anger or, um, you know, worry, hopelessness, whatever it is, you know, that thing that triggers you. Now imagine a different scenario where when that happens, you pause, you take a moment and you can proceed with a different intention, a different um, attitude, energy, and have like different behavior, right? You might ask different questions questions. You might ask questions with a calmer tone of voice, more openness rather than the knee jerk reaction. People pick up on that immediately when you do something that's not your normal, you know, judging reaction Mm -hmm. to things as well. Like they're just like, whoa, what just happened? (laughs) It is. It's disarming, right? Because their defenses are up. If our defenses are up, we have these amazing things in our brain called mirror neurons. And it's just as be able to, we, we activate or deactivate our judges between each other. So if we're feeling hijacked and we have our judge up, we have that those defenses up, you know, we're ready to fight. How do you think the other person feels? Right. They're on the defensive too. So we can, we can relax ourselves and, just get curious. I mean, that's, you know, for, first thing is, you know, just be able to connect, connect with ourselves, recognize who we are and just connect with the other beautiful human being we're sitting across from, you know, even if we're feeling mm, that judge coming up a little bit here and there, there's still just a beautiful human being sitting in front of us. There's, there's 10% of awesomeness that we can glimmer out of this conversation and just having that little glimmer of hope sometimes of just not shutting down totally creates that collaboration. It, it disarms that judge from both sides yeah. and being able to see each other for just these, you know, wonderful human beings trying to move in usually the same direction. And we just kind of got to get her out of our own way. Yeah. And when you talk about trust, it typically takes one person being willing to like put the armor down mm-hmm get a, like a teeny bit vulnerable. And that becomes an invitation to the mm-hmm. other person to get a little bit vulnerable. Talk about those mirror neur- neurons when we are being more open 
and that with that message gets sent out to the other person, they can put their defenses down and engage in a completely different way. And before we get into some of the, um, you know, things that you're seeing in organizations who've gone through this program. Let's talk about the one thing we haven't talked about are what, what becomes available to us when we're inter we've intercepted this judge, we're back in our body, we're present in the moment, we've taken our armor off, you know, could you go over like the five powers that become available to us when we let go of that? Yeah. So just to kind of re recap, so the, the first technique is really to recognize, you know, become aware of when that's happening. You know, we can usually feel it within our bodies or we can hear that, that chatter in our head, being able to recognize that's first. Then being able to use our self-command technique, which is being able to really drop into our present moment, using our five senses, connecting with our body it takes just a few minutes. You can even hear as I'm rubbing my hands, you can hear my voice change even a little bit too, just calming down. And then we're able to activate that beautiful part of the brain that serves us best, which is the newest part of the brain. And this is where the sage powers live. And through the radi radical simplification and getting down to root cause, um, the founder of positive intelligence, his research has developed the, the five sage powers. And they are lovely. So empathize. So really connecting with ourselves, seeing ourselves and seeing others just for that beautiful human being that we are being able to go into explore, getting deeply curious and really kind of what's possible kind of mindset without our assumptions and without our, our agendas. Then looking at innovation, this is one of my favorites. I love explore and innovate. So innovation is let's just like throw out what, what is possible? What are some great ideas? And we don't have to agree or disagree. Let's just throw out some great in, in innovative sessions um, that's where that kind of 10%, everyone, everything already has 10% golden nugget in it. Let's mm -hmm. find those in, in their innovate power. And then navigate. And navigate is so important because it really grounds us in what's really truly important. You know, looking back, maybe looking back even at the end of the day, you know, was it really that important? Did I really need to get in that argument with that person? You know, is that serves, is that serving me? Is that aligned with my purpose? Or even looking back on our life, like what mm -hmm. is most important for us? You know, looking back at the circumstances, you know, with my husband is, man, the most important thing. And I remember that every moment in that day when I checked him into the hospital, just how his beard felt when he tickled me, when I kissed him goodbye, you know, all of those things are the most important pieces that we want to hold on to. And when we're fully present, we can be able to activate, do that and activate that, which brings us to our next power, which is activate. And that's that clear laser focused action. So not just action for action, but actually intentional action and purposeful mm -hmm. action that's going to be moving us forward in the, in the right direction. Yes. Okay. So you have seen organizations that have truly tapped into those sage powers. They've done the work and the practices to notice when they're getting hijacked, right? They're, they're, they're having those emotions and those thoughts that don't feel good and are making them tense. They've got the practice to be able to intercept that, get back in their body, back in the present moment. And they've started to master these five sage powers. What do organizations who've gone through this program on the other side, what do they look like? Oh, wow. It is awesome. I, okay, let me just back up. So I love before and afters. I, I was in construction for a while. We did remodels and I just loved seeing the house. You know, it was, we bought one and it was really needed to be, actually we had two and they were both really needed to be demolished. We're like, no, my husband and I are like, no, we can save it. So before and after transformation. So for positive intelligence to see the before and after transformation of these beautiful human beings and these teams and these leaders and what they're contributing to the world, it just, I get lit, lit, lit up. I just mm -hmm. love it. Um, and so the program, the foundational program that we start with is really a lot of that me work. It's getting our own brain activated properly. We're doing it together as a team. So it's kind of this amazing united effort that mm -hmm. we're working together on and being able to activate our brains that serve us best and strengthen those muscles and then being able to cascade that into how are we showing up together? Uh, we have some supportive modules for teams. So earn trust, healthy conflict, mutual accountability and triple purpose. And I hear stories of 
Um, we have during Earn Trust, we have an activity called weed pulling, which is really being able to lean into, you know, what are those things in a healthy way that we want to be able to address within with each other in, in a trust. And we've already gone through building our mental muscles, like the foundation is there, the trust is starting to be built. Now we're putting it into practice. And I heard from one organization that there was this big hairy weed that has been the elephant in the room for so long. And they just haven't felt enough trust and, and ability to be actually to address it. It was just taking up space. I mean, they were trying to work around this thing. It was impeding their progress. And then being able to have the ability to trust themselves first to be able to bring it up to each other and then trust the process of, okay, this is the process that we work towards. We're all moving in the same direction for intention and purpose. And then once it was the weed, the, you know, proverbial weed was pulled, everyone just kind of like sat back and just had this sigh of relief, like this weight was lifted yeah. and the elephant is gone and it opened up so much space for them to be able to really have that better connection and really move forward in that more intentional direction of, of innovation and collaboration. It was pretty remarkable. Yes. My experience of elephants in the room is it takes a lot of energy to try to avoid the elephant because it's so obvious and it's a, it's a big thing, right? We, yeah. we don't label piddly things as the elephant in the room. These, these are things that are taking up psychological space mm-hmm. in an organization or within a team. And when the team no longer has to exert effort to try to avoid this, this mm-hmm. issue, <laughs> the freedom. Exactly. <laughs> so, yep. It's so amazing. Okay. I love this, Malia. This, this has been a great overview of the program and the potential for individuals and within organizations. So for those who have, this is their first, you know, glimpse at positive intelligence, they're still not quite sure what it's about. What would you recommend for them as a way to get started to finding out more about this work and what it can do for them? Yeah, great question. And so we have a free assessment online. So we have the saboteur assessment. So we didn't talk about our accomplice saboteurs. We just talked about the judge because the judges are universal saboteur, a judge of self, a judge of others, a judge of circumstances. And we also have nine accomplice saboteurs. So these are those those, little tagalongs that come along with, you know, individually with our judge. And so for me, I have a control or I'm, uh, you know, my part of my saboteurs are the controller, the restless and the hyperachiever, obviously we talked about and how they show up for me. And so if you take your assessment online and you can do that on our website on positiveintelligence.com under assessments to be able to get to know your saboteurs and how they show up and impact your life, then that's our first piece of awareness to be able to start understanding, oh, okay, that's that's just my restless showing up. And I noticed I do that often at work and they show up differently. So I have restless at work most of the time, controller at home and <laughs> hyper across the board. And so with that restless, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Like I have so many tabs open and I recognize when I do that and I call it when I'm spinning, if I'm, I'm doing something, but not being productive, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's my restless. I need to pause. So the first place is a West rest, awareness. The next one is to be able to pause, shift your brain activation with the brain activation techniques we call PQ reps, and then be able to get back into it and see which sage power we want to be able to do. You know, do I need to actually get more curious about the situation? Does it take action now? You know, being able to figure out which one to do. So the first step is really getting that awareness piece. Yeah, I love that. When I took the saboteur assessment as well, was not surprised by my results, right? Nobody's going to be like shocked, I don't think, by what their what their top three accomplished saboteurs are because they're very much a part of our lives. But I will say, while I wasn't surprised by it, the follow-up information I got on the saboteurs around how they show up because they show up in more ways than we think they do. And they impact more situations than we think they impact. It was just so empowering to see like, oh, this is what it's doing. And this is what it sounds like. And this is 
you know, this is what I can do about it. It was, mm -hmm. I found that to be fantastic. So on surface level, while you might think like, oh, well, I know it's running the show. It's like, great. But do you see all the impacts to it? And can you do something about it? So very much worth the while. And the assessment does not take long to do no, as well. I think it's like, yeah, yeah at the minutes. most. Yeah, I would say. Okay. All right, Malia, where can people find you and connect with you? Wonderful. Um, definitely you can find me on LinkedIn, Malia Monaco. And you can also find me at Positive Intelligence. So Malia at positiveintelligence.com is my email. I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, if you want to explore this for your team, let me know. I'm happy to help. I love that. And I will have that in the description of the episode and in the show notes. So for those of you who are listening, you won't have to search far to find where you can connect with Malia. And Malia, thank you so much for taking the time out of you. I know you have a very busy schedule and your, your restless might be like harping on you at some point today, but I am so appreciative that you took the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Well, thank you, Jody. I am deeply honored and I, I do, I really do what I love every day. So this is part of just my joy and being present in these moments. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to Women Taking the Lead. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, hit the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on the upcoming episodes. And while Women Taking the Lead is going to take the week of Christmas off, at the beginning of the new year, we are coming back with the 500th episode of Women Taking the Lead. So you don't want to miss that. And if you know of other women and men who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Most new discoveries come from our friends, family, and colleagues. As always, I hope this was of value to you, and here's to your success.